Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. And as we enter into Holy Week, I'm here as always with my partner in mission here on our team, Mary Guilfoyle. Mary, welcome to the great week. Good morning, Father John. Amen to that. We finally made it. And um, I, I must be honest, I am thinking a little about Easter for so many reasons <laughs> right now because I think we're on day 85, Exodus 90. So uh, yeah, there's so much to give thanks for. How We got a great topic today. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say it that way. I think we have a convicting topic. At least that's how I'm experiencing it. Um, yeah, we it? do. So it's out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. One way to know if we understand Easter Okay, so let's make it clear. Uh, this is probably not going to be about some like individualistic piety for uh, Easter week. Huh? So, uh, hopefully, something like an examination of conscience. At least that's how I experienced, um, mm-hmm. have been experiencing it in my own prayer over the last uh, several days, really, as we head into this great week. So let's pray, shall we? Mm-hmm. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Father, We do not have the words to adequately thank you for all that we're celebrating this week, the week that recalls the most important, momentous, significant events in the history of the universe. When your son, out of his love, went to the cross, reconciled us to you, revealed the love that you have for us and defeated the powers of sin and death. Father, we pray that in these days ahead, you would continue to ever so graciously pour out the Holy Spirit upon us that we might see with new eyes and understand with new minds all that Jesus has accomplished for us and what he's asking of us as he sends us into the world, even as you sent him. And so we ask for your Spirit to be upon us now in our conversation in the ears of all those who are hearing. Help us to be attentive to those things that you want to say to us. We make this prayer as always through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but um, especially as a priest, you know, in terms of preaching, Holy Week is just challenging as all get out because there's just too much. You know, there's so much to think about. There's so much to talk about. There's so much to pray about. There's so many things you could preach about. Um, how, how do you how do you try to hone in in your own prayer on you know like this whole you know panoply of uh, events that that occupy our minds? Is is there something that you do to just kind of stay focused or to ask the Lord to help you to focus in on one thing? You know, Father John, that's a great question. And I want to say the answer came to me yesterday, which was Palm Sunday. And I was reading a series of reflections by Dr. Peter Kraft uh, from a compilation of um, uh, meditations that he has on on this cycle of readings. Great book, by the way. Oh, she's so rich. I look forward on Sundays to get up to see what it is he has to say about the beautiful readings. And one of the things that he challenged uh, us to do with the with the reading of the passion was to identify yourself. Who do you identify with mm. in the passion? Uh, and I thought, gosh, that's actually. I think that's going to be my focus, mm. not only for my prayer yesterday, but um, it was something that had been revealed to me earlier, a couple of days ago, um, in conversations that I was just having with my husband. And so that's how I'm approaching. 
the love that. least at this point where I think God's inviting me. Who do I relate to most in this epic rescue mission that's going to be on full display this week and yeah. go deep with maybe that person. Yeah. And I already have someone in mind. I think Fulton Sheen did that in some of his, you know, he used to preach every good Friday for years and years and years. I used to listen to those sermons and he used, he used to encourage us to do something similar to that. Oh, yeah? I, lo- I love that idea. Yeah. I know for me, uh, especially this year, I, I had a, a privilege to be a part of a, um, sm- a conference over at Father Gabriel Richard High School here in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. So, Father, Father Gabriel Richard is um, not only one of the founders of the University of Michigan, but he's also the one from whom the motto uh, for the city of Detroit comes, which is entitled, um, We Hope for Better Things, She Will Arise or Resurrect from the Ashes, which he, he coined uh, shortly after a fire here in Detroit. And so it was a conference put on by uh, the high school as well as Ave Maria Radio, Al Cresta, Teresa Tamio, all those folks over there. And it was simply entitled, uh, Divided We Fail, Mm. how to regain unity in the Catholic church and perhaps somewhat provoked by, uh, by that conference. And then just my own prayer over the passion this weekend. This is the theme that's come to me. It's the title, which is uh, out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And the reason I I say that is because the the theme of the conference in many ways centered in on speech and uh, Father Charlie Fox, who's a priest here in the Archdiocese of Detroit, just gave a killer talk on uh, the power of the word, um, not only our spoken words, but the power of the word, uh, that is to say the eternal son of God and the power of love. And it was a, a really powerful meditation and examination of conscience just on the need for us to be careful with our words and to um, uh, to be mindful of the fact that words Words destroy. In fact, at one point he compared um, words to nuclear power. He said nuclear power can light up a city or it can destroy a city. It all depends on how you use it. And he went on to say words are much like that. Words can light up someone or they can can destroy destroy someone. someone. You know, and we've all experienced that, right? I mean, you know, it's not like... um, it's not like I've only been on the re- on the receiving end of harsh words. I've uttered harsh words. I know that. You know, we all have. We got to have a sense of humility about that. But so I it, maybe with that in mind, as I was praying with the Passion um, Sunday morning, what, what struck out at me, especially because we're reading Luke's account um, right now in Cycle C, is just that prayer. You know, it's one of Jesus's seven last words from the cross: uh, "Father, forgive them." And not just Father, forgive them, but Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew, he, he reminds us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, which is um, something that, you know, I think we oftentimes meditate on and we, it leads us to like run to the confessional because it's like, well, okay, if that's the case, then my heart must not be all that great because mm-hmm. the things coming out of my mouth or coming out of my fingers as I type sometimes or Absolutely. post or whatever, uh, don't quite look in accord with his sacred heart. But until this weekend, I don't think I've ever thought of that passage in regards to his, him, like his heart. What's his heart look like that words like that would come out as he's dying all I can tell you, Father Johnny, doesn't look remotely like mine. Yeah, you know, you know. So it, it kind of led me to to think about three characters in particular in the Passion, and uh, you know, I, I often think about the foot washing scene in John thirteen, which we're going to see this Holy Thursday, right, and celebrated uh, in our churches again. And 
you know, Judas is there for the foot washing. And I, I always try in my mind to picture like, what is Jesus doing at that moment? You know, I, so as someone who washes people's feet, um, on Holy Thursday or has, you know, countless times now, it's a really intimate thing. And, and, you know, you have a towel and you have your hands and I, I imagine Jesus just ever so gently trying to do everything he can to like catch Judas's eye, mm. you know, like as, as if to communicate to him because he knows what he's about to do. Son, you don't have to do this. You don't have to go. You don't have to betray me. And I picture Judas, you know how you're in an awkward conversation with somebody and you try to do everything you can to avoid eye contact? Yeah, you hold your head down. Yeah, right? exactly. Just I picture Judas just contact. like, I ain't going to look at you. I'm not going to look at you. I'm not going to look at you. So I, Jesus isn't saying anything there but vis, uh, you know, uh, verbally, but he's certainly saying something in his bodily actions, right, and how he does what he's doing to Judas. And then I think of the, the scene with Peter, you know, uh, Luke 23, the gospel that we heard, uh, or 22 rather, in um, on Palm Sunday again, is, you know, th- that long passion narrative. But it's in Luke's um, account of the passion that we hear uh, Jesus say, one of you is about to betray me. And then he goes on to say, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift you, to sift all of you, that he might, uh, like, like wheat, But he goes on to say after that, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again to strengthen your brothers. And and Peter's like, what are you talking about? Like, Lord, I'm going to die for you. Like, I'll go anywhere for you. And then Jesus goes on to say, "Um, no, no, you won't. (laughs) At least not tonight. In fact, tonight before the cock crows, you're going to deny you even knew me three times. And and Jesus doesn't lash out at him. He doesn't say, hey, this is going to happen. Like, buckle up, son. He, he's, he he's speaking says, prophetically about what is going to happen beyond that moment. Yeah, and he says, I've already I've prayed, prayed for, for you. you. Like, I know what's so going to happen. It's okay. And I've prayed that you will come back. And then, of course, what happens in Luke's account, which is so moving, right? Um, at the moment, the third time when Jesus is denied by Peter, it says Jesus turned and looked at him, which means somehow they're like within eye distance of each other, which is really just stunning to me. And somehow that glance that Jesus communicates to Simon, like that saves it saves Peter, him. You know, like that's what he was trying to do for Judas. He was trying to catch Judas in his glance. Judas was avoiding it. And then Judas goes on to take his life. That glance that saves Peter ends up washing his face like with tears. Oh, gosh, Remember there's yes. a scene, Father John, in The Passion of the Christ, where right after Peter has denied our Lord, he encounters our Blessed Mother, and he's literally sobbing. His face is wet. Yeah. His nose is running. He has spit running from his mouth, and he's shaking. And our Blessed Mother reaches out just to place her hand on his cheek. He, what he pushes he, her away. And he pushes her away and yeah. she goes to reach for him. Yeah. That glance saved him. That That's was right. a, that was a, a repentant, contrite face. That's right. That glance wants to catch some of us right now. Those of us who feel despairing or, um, you know, who are angry at ourselves, you know, who just can't believe we've done some of the things that we've done. I mean, the, the Lord wants to arrest us with his glance and uh, his, his glance doesn't arrest to condemn, his arrest... Uh, glances or his his glance arrests us uh, to rescue us and to save us and to pardon us. And then the third character of the 
the passion I've been thinking about in light of this theme, you know, out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. It's, it's just the crowds at the, at the foot of the cross, the guards, the soldiers, the Jewish leaders, everybody else who's there who just, you know, this is ritualized sport. That's what crucifixion is. And they're, they're mocking him and taunting him, even though he's there to save them and to go to war for us. And that's where he utters this cry, Father, forgive them. Uh, they don't know what they do. And so Jesus on the cross is making excuses, not just for them, but for me, right? And for you. Because we don't utter those words. No, we're, we're like, they know exactly what they were doing. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I guess that's led me more. And I, I want to ask you to, to kind of walk us through something here in a, in a moment. Um, like, how do I know if what Jesus has accomplished in his death and resurrection is really having an effect in me. And, and the, you know, there's lots of ways we could look at that, but, but one of the ways is simply that we look and we sound and we type like him. More like him. Because if we don't, uh, then we've reduced faith to just this kind of like me and Jesus two-step. And, you know, so when we're leading uh, priests and bishops and, and leaders in the church uh, on retreat, you at a certain point on the, usually it's the second day of our retreat, you walk them through this really powerful meditation on forgiveness. I wonder if you'd, you'd share that right now because, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about healing and, and kind of getting to the root of things. And I think you commented there and it's so true that the, the real key to healing is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. It unlocks all the other healing that God wants to do. Yeah, so, so, so many of us, I know this is true. It has been true in my own life. It can't be true now in my life at times. You know, when, when we hold on to bitterness, to resentment, to grudges, when we fail to not only forgive, but to make excuses for people, what we do is we just imprison ourselves, don't we? Right, it's, it's, it's like our hearts can atrophy, Yeah. you know, because bitterness takes root. And all of a sudden, uh, all those graces that God wants to come in with can't get through because our hearts have been insulated with so many protection mechanisms and all the ways that those come forth. But again, think of a a big key in a lock. Forgiveness starts that path, Mm. right, to deep inner healing. Yeah, I love that. So so would you kind of share, walk us through this, Maybe, maybe you can you can do it in such a way, and this will be a great examination perhaps for people to just go back to uh, throughout, maybe throughout the course of this week and just uh, linger with these words and with this, uh, this meditation that you're going to share. Sure, I'd be happy to. So maybe what we can do just even just right now is just to, uh, if you're driving, don't close your eyes, but if you're at home. That would be bad. <laughs> Yeah, so just to put yourself in a place of quiet and silence, and if you can, wherever you are, if it's possible, just to kind of close your eyes and and call upon the Holy Spirit uh, and ask him to show you who it is he may be um, inviting you uh, to forgive. Ask that your heart even now would be burdened with that man or that woman that God wants you to forgive right now. And this could be... This can be anyone. This can be someone in your family, a mom or a dad or, or a sibling. Uh, this might be a friend, a close friend, an acquaintance, 
It might be someone you work with. It might be someone that you work for. It might be the neighbor across the street. It might be someone on social media. Someone who has written or, or, or spoken ill of you. Or perhaps it's someone who's abused you in some way. This person might even be yourself. And if we're honest, that person might even be God. So picture that person in front of you right now, standing before you, and engage all of your your senses. Pay attention to what you're feeling in your body, your mind. Pay attention to all of those emotions that are being activated now as you see that person standing in front of you. What do you feel? And just know that it's, you have permission from God to be real as you enter into this. It's okay to feel uneasy, anxious, or worried, or upset, or even angry. And as you see that person standing in front of you, Call to mind now that which they owe you. What's that debt that they owe you? So for instance, what did they take from you? Maybe it was your reputation. Maybe it was your job. Or maybe it was your childhood or your, your sense of self-worth. Or maybe it was your innocence. Perhaps it was the trust that you once had with that person. And then ask the Holy Spirit to call to mind how they hurt you. It might have been through the words that they spoke. It might have been a glance. It might have been the way they marginalized you or ignored you or didn't acknowledge the gift of your presence, your person, your dignity, your worth. And now imagine you telling that person what they did to hurt you and how it affected you. Just having an honest conversation. This is what happened. And now ask Jesus to forgive that person, whoever that person is, And then now you are going to forgive this person. And it might sound something like this. In the name of Jesus, I forgive. And then name that person. I forgive this person for blank, whatever they did. And all the ways that this has affected me, that it's affected you. And here and now, I release all of these debts to God the Father. Can you feel your shoulders dropping and a sense of this new breath in your your heart and your lungs? Do you sense freedom moving in right now into this place that was held in bitterness and anger and unforgiveness? And perhaps then pray a blessing 
over this person. And ask the Father to bless them in a profound and mighty and tangible way. In just normal down-to-earth words, just, just your normal language, just ask the Father from on high to bless this person with every grace and every blessing and all good things. And then ask Jesus to seal with the power of his precious blood this act of forgiveness and to come in and to heal all the wounds that might have been an outgrowth of that stronghold of unforgiveness. And then thank God now for this mighty work of deliverance and healing and liberation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I just keep thinking, I'm, so I'm walking through that myself, you know, as you're doing, I'm just calling people to mind, you know, and, um, you know, I, I'm sure people quickly have a number of folks come to mind, but um, it just strikes me, you know, this this week of all weeks, we're not only going to hear Jesus pray this way from the cross, but the, the day before, uh, we're going to celebrate the institution of the Lord's Supper and the, the, the extraordinary gift that is the Eucharist. And I, I keep going back again and again, you know, Jesus gives himself to us in order to, like, not only unite us to himself, but in order to transform us so that we become like him, right? We're supposed to become like the one we eat, or, or rather, who's, who's actually breaking us down and uh, uniting us to himself, which means that I'm supposed to have his mind more and more and his heart more and more. And quite frankly, if we as the church don't forgive, we're a total scandal. You know, to the degree that I don't forgive, I'm a scandal. We, I cause somebody to stumble, you know, and uh, this, this is what it means, you know, to fail the mission that the Lord has given to the church. Jesus sends us out into the world, even as the father sent him to do what? Well, do many things, but not least of which is, to reconcile, right? And uh, and this can only happen. I mean, the meditation you just walked us through, this is just, you know, on our own power, this is absurd. It can't happen because everything inside me wants to strangle the people that hurt me, right? Right. And the only way that that can change is, is by grace being given to us, by power being given to us. And that's what happens when we receive the Eucharist. That's why this week is such an amazing week. And the Lord doesn't want to just overwhelm us with his mercy and his love so that we can start again. He doesn't want to just pour something into us. He wants what he's poured into us to flow out of us. Out from us, right, to transform. Uh, otherwise, like, I'm a fraud. Right. You know, we're frauds. So let's pray for one another in the church in these days that we're entering into this extraordinary week, this great week, as we call to mind all that Jesus has accomplished for us. Let's thank the Lord for the mercy that we have received from him. And let's take advantage of the opportunities that we have to use the grace that he's poured into us so as to extend that mercy to others so that we can walk in freedom and so that we can be the means by which the world can come to know that the father sent his son, that he loves him and that he loves each and every person that we meet, even as he loves the son. The events that we're about to celebrate this week are all true. All of them. It's amazing. God has defeated the power of death. He has bound the strong man and he's rescued us from 
the clutches of powers we could never compete against. And he's sending us as his agents into the world so as to be a means by which they too can be uh, men and women who experience his rescuing power because all that's true. Do not be afraid. God is with you and you were born for this. 